Today's guest is Anna Hopkin, an Olympic gold medalist in Tokyo in the mixed 4x100-meter medley relay and swimming star from the UK. Anna has an incredible collegiate career in both the UK and in the United States at Arkansas University, where she placed second in the NCAA's 100-yard freestyle. While winning an Olympic gold medal is an incredible feat on its own, Anna did it after walking away from the sport during her teenage years. This hard decision allowed Anna to prioritize her mental and physical health and have a strong career in the pool when it mattered the most. Today, Anna shares with us why this is such an important step in her career and how it allowed her to find balance in her life. She also shares her Olympic experience and how she managed to continue training through COVID and stay motivated during this tough time. We're so excited to have Anna on the podcast today. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome to the Voice and Sport podcast, Anna. Hi, thanks for having me. I love that you have such an incredible story of starting swimming at such a young age and making it all the way to the Olympics, but there was a break in there. And today we're going to talk about that break and hopefully that break and everything we discussed today will really help so many more young girls who are thinking about their experience and in general, how they're going through their journey in sport. So let's go all the way back to, you know, where you grew up in England. How did you get started in swimming? And was that your only sport? I started swimming when I was probably about six, sort of in learn to swim. Um, my mom was always really keen on sport and obviously wanted me and my brother to learn to swim and he was a bit older than me so he joined the local probably at age 10 and I just joined with him. I was obviously a little bit younger and I also did other sports. I did ballet and gymnastics. I was always a very sporty child but I guess swimming and gymnastics were the two that I really took off when I was quite young and had to balance those two against each other which was quite full on at some points I guess. And when do you remember when you're back because you started when you were swimming when you're at age eight and then you joined a pretty serious swimming club at age 10 and winning your first medal at age 11. Do you remember why you started swimming and like why you loved it back then? I think I knew I took to it quite easily even before I joined my first club at eight. So before I was really getting competitive, picked up the strokes quite quickly and I remember doing butterfly when I was sort of age seven and the teacher being really surprised that I could kind of pick that up so quickly and she always said oh she's going to be a fly swimmer which I was when I was younger and I think I just loved the freedom in the water and also too so it was a very social thing for me as well and yeah I just loved sort of the training and the social and yeah it was just a lot of fun really there's just no pressure mainly racing 25 meters which was pretty nice at that time as well and do you think your involvement in those other sports like gymnastics and ballet did those have an effect on like who you were as an athlete and how good of a swimmer you became at such an early age yeah definitely like I would encourage any athletes to try an array of sports when they're younger and even if you take to one particular sport over others other sports can help sort of a single sport so much as well like ballet just the discipline core control flexibility and then gymnastics was obviously a lot of core as well and flexibility but also strength and power which obviously in a different situation 
but all of those components are important in swimming as well so I think it all ties in together and I think that was a big reason why I was so good at swimming was because I had all of that background from when I was really young as well which gave me a lot of strength and power and flexibility even when I was at such a young age. Yeah, I think it's so important to be doing different sports and exploring different things when you're when you're young. My daughter's eight, my son's six, so I'm trying to get them in everything I possibly can right now. But for you and your journey, you know, you at a pretty young age started swimming at the the national level. So around age 13, you were competing um, at a national age group. I think that's pretty young, obviously, to have success in a sport. So do you remember any of those earliest memories of when sport really became something that you would see yourself doing for the rest of your life? Like, was there a moment that you're like, wow, I think I have a future in sport here and you started getting really competitive? I don't think I ever actually saw myself swimming at an elite level when I was that age. I don't know if it's because it was just so far ahead in the future. It was just so impossible to think I'm still going to be swimming 10 years down the line or I just never I just never saw myself as like those elite athletes but in the moment I mean I was always very competitive and I wanted to win any race I had that like motivation and competitive side to me but didn't I don't think I really had the vision of me being like an Olympian or an Olympic medalist at that point which Maybe that's a good thing. I didn't sort of pile the pressure on myself at age 11 to make it to an Olympics sort of 12 years down the line. But I obviously knew there's a reason I'm training seven times a week. Like I'm not doing it just because it's a bit of fun. Like I was obviously taking it very seriously and I wanted to excel in the sport. But I was sort of just taking it one year at a time and just seeing how far I could get each year, I guess. Well, so then what happened, I guess, around age 13 when you decided to put, you know, your mental health first and you made a difficult decision to take a break from competing? And it's obviously a hard choice for athletes, regardless of what age you are, to realize that sometimes you need to take a break and step back from your sport. But for you, can you take us back to that moment where you you made that decision? Were you just starting to feel a lot of pressure or did you just lose the fun? Like why why was it at that age that you decided to take a step back? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. And I just, I started to resent the training and I would start to look at like all my friends at school and after school they would all get to go home or go shopping or do something like social and I would have to go straight to training and I'd be training five to seven in the morning and then straight to school at school all day and then straight to training again and then get home and have to go to bed at like eight o'clock because I was up again at four in the morning or something and it just seemed like it I just couldn't see an end point to it and it just seemed like I was like how do I get out of this cycle so I think it was just obviously if you enjoy something it doesn't seem like a chore to get up at ridiculous hours of the morning or be really busy with it because your entire life is that sport and you love it whereas I was starting to wish that I didn't have to do that anymore so I think it was quite clear to me that I was just not enjoying it so much anymore and I think also I'd always loved doing so many other sports and I'd had to stop 
pretty much all of them for swimming and I started to wish that I could do other sports alongside swimming but because I was part of quite a serious squad at that point that wasn't really an option it was kind of an all or nothing system which swimming does typically tend to be it's a very intense sport from a very young age and if you are part of that serious environment you can't really dip in and out as you please so for me I just felt like I'm either all in or I have to quit essentially so and it wasn't an instant decision I'd had a couple moments where I'd spoken to my mum and I was like oh I'm not sure I'm not really enjoying it anymore and my coaches have been great they'd sort of allowed me to take a bit of a step back and then build it up again it just kept happening I just kept getting to this point where I just wasn't enjoying it anymore so I it was a dis- December when I was 12 and I'd spoken to my coach about it and my mum had said like if you want to stop you need to talk to your coach you can't expect me to do that for you because obviously it's your decision and it's you have to take ownership for it so I don't think she expected to, for me to talk to my coach because I was quite a shy kid and she probably just thought it was like a bit of a brief like you know she'll, she'll come around but I was clearly at quite a, a point where I definitely wanted to stop so I did talk to my coach and he said I'll like see it through to July do the nationals and if you still feel the same way then at least you know you definitely want to stop and for those like from December to July I enjoyed it to a point like I had friends there and that was it but I was just counting down the months the weeks the days until I could stop so I very much knew at that point I was definitely done like there was no coming back from that point so it was definitely the right decision. And do you think that you got to that point because you were just almost like overtraining and like doing too much of the sport? I think, yeah, in a way. If I'd enjoyed it and was happy to do that amount, then which obviously other people in the kids, they wanted to do that much because they enjoyed it, but I wasn't enjoying it, but it didn't feel like there was an option to do less. I guess because I'd already reached that point and I was only 12, 13 years step backwards like I could have you know gone to a different club and trained less but because I'd done it so intensely for so long I didn't know if I could just continue the sport taking such a back seat to it and I did actually continue swimming after I stopped I did join a club and I trained a couple times a week but I didn't compete I just did it for fitness always swam and I liked it but I'd never felt like I could just step back to a different club still try and compete because I just felt like I was just gonna get slower or see all the people I used to compete with get a lot faster and I'd be left behind and so for me I just wanted to take a step back from the competitive side of it and just do other sports enjoy sort of pursuing sports I'd had to stop when I was younger because of swimming and then just enjoy like actually having a social life and being able to do other things in life as well. It's just so interesting because, you know, you know, now we just finished the Tokyo Olympics and you won a gold medal. And I think it's just, we should just pause and, and well, first say congratulations. Like that's pretty awesome. But (laughs) also just, Hey, look, you took a, a four year break basically from, competitive sports in your teenage years 
and you still won a gold medal later on in your life. And I think that what you said is so interesting, like you didn't feel like there was another option. It had to be like all in in this specific sort of training format club to say that you're serious and you have this dream. It was sort of almost like all or nothing. And there are so many different ways to achieve your goals, right? And this doesn't always have to be like one way or the other. I think it just sends such a strong message to to everybody in our community that might be listening to this podcast. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my journey is obviously a bit unconventional. It's not going to be the norm. And I would never say to people like, oh, yeah, the way to do it is to take a four-year break. Like that was never... I never thought, oh, taking this four-year break is going to lead me to becoming an Olympic gold medalist. But obviously, you can't... You're, I would never have got to being an Olympic gold medalist if I didn't enjoy what I was doing. And so it was very important for me to do that at that point. And I think, my in my mind, like, way to go about becoming an athlete is to just do a range of different sports and obviously when you get to the point where you think it's time to specialise, which I don't think should have been at 11, it could be a lot later because I won an Olympic medal at 25. If I maintain that intensity for that long, that's very, very difficult. And that's why a lot of people drop out at age 15, 16. And I think if more people are keeping that variety up until sort of maybe 14, 15, and then pursuing an individual sport more intensely if that's what they want to do then I think there will be more longevity in different sports and even in my break I was probably just as busy with sports I did about five different sports but the variety was just just a mental break like I sometimes I was running for an hour and then my mum would pick me up and take me to cheerleading and I'd do cheerleading for an hour but like it was just all so much fun there was always so much going on but I obviously still had the endurance and the flexibility I did gymnastics I started the strength and they came together when I did eventually get back into the sport and I think that shows that you can take a lot from doing other sports and when you do decide to specialise it's still there and you can build on it. Yeah, I think it's so inspiring and such a such a great message to share to young athletes today. So I am curious if when you take a step back and look at that time period where you, those four years where you really tried various sports again and you kind of led with like what's fun and, you know, being with your friends, all of those things. What did you, what did you learn? Like what lessons did you learn from from those four years of kind of, about the importance of putting your mental health at the forefront of your decisions. Yeah, I think it just showed me that if you don't enjoy what you're doing, then you're never going to achieve what you want to, whether it's in a sport or in a job or in a relationship or anything. If you're not enjoying it, then, you know, you can't, you're not going to achieve what you want to achieve and you have to find ways to make it enjoyable and I just anything that I thought I'd quite like to try that I picked up trampolining I picked up gymnastics again I never expected from any of them to be the best at any of those sports and obviously picking up gymnastics again when you're sort of 14 15 like 
that's quite old in that particular sport to be picking it up again but it, I just love trying new tricks and learning new things and meeting new people and if I missed a session because I have something with friends or it didn't matter because it wasn't like so intense I just you know could prioritize different things and I think that was really refreshing to just kind of balance my life the way that I wanted to rather than being dictated by a sport which obviously now and I'm an elite athlete like sport is my life and it comes first but when you're 13 14 years old and you want to go to your friend's party but you can't because you swim or you do another sport it was just so refreshing to just be like actually I can do that if I want to do that yeah, it's hard, right? Because I think a lot of a lot of coaches and storytelling is talks about like the sacrifices you have to make along the way to become great. Right. But at what point, you know, how do you balance those things? Because you don't want to be sacrificing so many things that bring you joy that are outside your sport to continue your sport. And and so how do you balance that? Like, how would you, you know, because of course, you're going to have to miss some things to do other things right <laughs> and like I keep thinking about all the all of the amazing young girls in our community right they're they're balancing so many things and you have to ultimately make decisions on like okay what are you going to prioritize so how do you think about that now knowing what you went through when you were younger and now as an elite athlete like what about this concept of sacrifice like and how much do you sacrifice I actually think when I look back at when I did it when I was younger, I actually feel like there's so much more understanding when I swim now about life balance. And I don't know if that's just the sort of people I worked with at that time versus the people I work with now, but like my coach now, obviously post Olympics, we didn't have that much of a break because we had other competitions coming up. But my coach basically said until December, if, if there's a weekend where you want to go away visit family, visit friends and you want to take a long weekend so you can have the Saturday morning off, then just let me know and we can do that. And she understands that we have other stuff going on in our lives as well. And so say if one particular weekend I had, I don't know, a friend's wedding or a family wedding or a family occasion, I could bring that up to her and she would just say we'll work the week around so that you can do an extra session earlier in the week and then you can take the Saturday morning off and you can go do that with your family because that's obviously important and so I think there is a lot of understanding now that you can't always make sacrifices like obviously my family and friends are very understanding that I can't always just be available at the drop of a hat and there's only so much that you can sacrifice or sport and so I think at least in my situation now and the coaches that I work with there is that understanding that if you know there is a really important event that you need to go to then there is flexibility with it I think it's it's great to hear that even at the elite level that you're you're making those sacrifices sometimes choosing it sounds like your friends and family first and other times choosing your sport first and it doesn't have to always be one or the other yeah definitely and I think that's really important as well for like you know if sometimes just having that weekend away with family it's a mental break and it's refreshing and you come back the following week to training and 
you actually feel like you can push harder in training because you've had that weekend break absolutely it's just like being an entrepreneur it's like if you don't take a few days off you're gonna (laughs) be like you're gonna be exhausted so I think that really is applicable to a lot of different things well I want to ask like what advice would you have for a young girl who might be feeling like you felt when you were 12 and 13 wanting to take a step back but not sure how to approach the conversation with their coach or their parents what advice would you have for her um I think obviously communication is incredibly important and I think like I sort of spoke to my mum about it first because that was who I felt most comfortable talking to and hopefully other girls feel like they can talk to their mums or their dads or a sibling or another family member about it first and just like I think initially saying something when it's kind of building up inside you and you're like I really don't like this anymore but everyone's expecting me to carry on just saying it is really helpful to anyone and so and then that person you talk to can obviously help you decide how to approach it with your coach and obviously if you need like a parent or family situation a bit easier but I think that initial just like telling anyone that you're not or just like a sense of freedom you're like okay at least it's it's not just me anymore like in my head all the time so I think that's important and then obviously from that point on you've got someone who can help you approach how to take the next step kind of thing yeah it's great advice well let's talk about your return then specifically for you how did you come back what was that decision to return to competing because you did end up going on to your undergraduate degree at University of Bath in the UK and then on to two years at the University of Arkansas, where, you know, you had a pretty astonishing career in such a short time. So what was that return like for you? And was there a specific moment? Was it like, oh, a light bulb, like a light bulb went off and you're like, I'm back? Or was it this like gradual realization that you found your loving love again and joy in the sport? When, so I quit like the squad moved into the club and trained there twice a week just for fitness just as another avid and didn't really think about getting into competing for a few years and then I had a really great coach there who he obviously because I was only training a few times a week I didn't have I would usually do I did 200 butterfly 100 butterfly so we were just focusing on sprinting which I found a lot more fun to train and he introduced me to I'd never done weights in the gym before he was an ex-bodybuilder so he introduced me to the gym and he obviously knew all the correct lifting techniques and so um he sort of got me started in the gym and then we also did some boxing um did a lot of like land conditioning stuff and then when I was in the pool which obviously still wasn't very much but we kind of it was just a lot of just sprint training which I really really enjoyed it was just very short and intense um and then it was 2014 where the British champs were in Glasgow and it was qualification for the Glasgow Commonwealth Games and obviously you know I was never expecting to go in 2014 when I hadn't competed for years but he just said oh wouldn't it be cool to go to the Commonwealth trials and so I thought actually yeah that would be quite cool and I'd done um 
I'd done a couple races at that point, just the 50 fly for my college. And the times I'd done would have chance. So, okay, I'll, I'll just get a, like a, a qualifying time in the window and then hopefully go to British champs. And that'd just be quite cool to say I've been to the, the Commonwealth trials. Um, and I was also at that point looking to start in 2014. And I did want to be part of a, a sport at university. And I wanted to compete for the university, but obviously wasn't looking to take it as seriously as I'd used to. And so for me, like qualifying for that British trials and times on the board and speak to the university coach and show him that, you know, I hadn't done a lot of training, but there was potential there to compete for the university. So that was kind of the main, like, couple reasons for getting back into competing, really. And it just took off from there, really. So your driving force is really to think about like how to get on a team for college. Like how do you kind of, was there a component of like paying for your scholarship and trying to get it to the U.S. or was that not a thought and you were just like, I just want to compete for my team? Yeah, I mean, I had never considered going to the U.S. at that point and I was at Bath for four years and I just thought I'd quite like to be part of a sports team. I can I, I knew no one going to university, which is obviously often the case when you know, I just thought, you know, got, I've got my course and my my accommodation and I'd quite like to have a couple sports going on as well where I can meet people. It was all just about like meeting people and I thought it'd be quite cool to compete for the university, but it was never like a huge major aspiration. Like I want to take it really seriously again or anything you know I wanted to enjoy university life I didn't want to be training at 5am every morning again so I guess the main reason was just more of a social like being part of a team and a group again and we don't really have the same system as America like thing so it was never really like I need to go a certain time to get a scholarship for the UK or anything and I hadn't thought about beyond being at university in the UK I didn't think I would still be swimming beyond it to even consider going to the states afterwards so yeah it was all just about enjoyment and social really I guess. And so what was the I guess the driving force for going to the University of Arkansas and what was that experience like as an international student in the US what were some of those challenges that maybe other girls should should know if they're going to consider going to a school in another country? Yeah, I think for me it was quite a nice situation because I was coming towards the end of my time at Bath and I was obviously on an upward trajectory with my swimming but wasn't at the point where I could be ex- expect to get into a national centre like what I'm in now or get on funding for the UK. And so I was kind of at a bit of a sticking point where once I left university I would need to get a job I also still wanted to keep swimming because I was still improving but obviously having a job alongside swimming isn't that easy and then the opportunity to go to Arkansas came through and Neil the coach there he's British and had contacted a coach I had in the UK and I was kind of at the point where I just had nothing to lose really like I didn't have plans I didn't have a job I didn't know how I was going to balance a job with swimming and then this opportunity to go out to Arkansas to continue swimming for two more years, uh, do my master's. Like I've always been really into education. I've always wanted to sort of get a really good education. So getting a master's seemed like a great idea for me and then be able to swim without worrying about 
having to have a job as to get to experience America, which I just thought it was all just, you know, an amazing opportunity. And I guess it's a bit different for me than other potential international students. There's a lot of like looking around and visiting different places, whereas I just kind of like went to Arkansas, liked it and really got on with Neil and he I felt like he could do a lot for my swimming and so I just kind of went there and it worked out really well so obviously I would say for other people who are avidly like I want to go to America obviously do a lot of research kind of speak to other people who are there don't just take it up in research speak to people outside of you know the coaches who are there because obviously they're going to want to get you there so if you talk to the athletes make sure it's what you want and I guess yeah just kind of do you for you but I mean as a UK athlete going to the US I mean the incredible and like everything that's available to you and the support available was just immense like ridiculous compared to UK universities just because of like the money that's available from obviously American football and things so for me it was just like eye-opening and it was amazing did you notice anything different about the culture, like the sporting culture? Not like American, like culture outside of sport, but specifically the sporting culture between, you know, England swimming and swimming in the U.S. Was there a difference or was there, were there a lot of the same, I guess, positive things, but also challenging things? Yeah, I think because obviously in America you are often going on a scholarship or if you are going into like, a team especially like in division one or like I was in the SEC so that's a pretty big conference to be a part of so if you are a student athlete you are expect that is is that is your life really and it's expected to be your life which obviously makes sense I mean they're putting a lot of money into you they're expecting you to be very professional and invest all of your time and effort into that sport which I think was perfect for me at the time I like was like I'm ready to really take this very seriously again and so I was you know more than happy to fully sort of invest all my time and effort into just swimming all the resources and facilities are kind of geared to allow you to do that with her and the student athlete study center and you can get tutors available just for student athletes and you have like a team room and your own physios and nutritionists and it's just amazing that that's available to athletes I think at the UK it's a bit more you're not really a student athlete, you're a student that is also an athlete. It's not like, I feel like in America, you're kind of in this little student athlete bubble and all the student athletes kind of hang out together and you're kind of like wear your gear and you have your student athlete rucksack and everyone knows you're a student athlete and it's like, oh my God, that's really cool. In the UK, <laughs> you're just like, everyone's the same and you just do a lot of swimming at the same time. So I think like the culture is very different. Well, in your first year, you took second place overall at the NCAA Women's Swimming and Diving Championships with a program record in the 100-yard freestyle, and you earned All-American honors with the fourth fastest time in the NCAA. So with a total of 17 first-place finishes and nine second and seven third places, you were predicted to become the first Arkansas swimmer to win a national championship when COVID hit and then cut your season short. Can you talk us through how you found out that your senior season would not be happening and what was your initial reaction and how did you work through that moment? Yeah, it was quite 
I want to say traumatic. Like, obviously it wasn't traumatic, but it all just happened so quickly. And until it actually got announced that NCAs were cancelled, I don't think any of us really thought it was going to. Like, obviously we'd heard things about COVID, but it just didn't really seem to be affecting us at that point. And then suddenly, like, NCAs were just cancelled. And, like, it just... We just... None of us thought it was going to happen. But then I also had olympic trials coming up and i needed to get back to the uk so i didn't want to miss them because i mean i half thought they were going to be cancelled anyway but i obviously needed to get back to make sure i was there if they did go ahead and borders between the us and the uk were starting to close and we were sort of scrambling to get a fume because obviously everything was closing down anyway i may as well get back home and so it was finding out ncas were cancelled and then two days just having all my stuff packed up and going back to the UK so and like saying bye to everyone and it was it was quite a hard weekend really but I guess like in my mind I was just like oh my gosh we just need to get back yeah parents were out at the time because they were going to watch me at NCA so at least had them like to support me and like help me with all my cases because I had so much stuff so we all flew back together and then I had a week where I was training in the UK got locked down anyway so trials were cancelled and then obviously after that Olympics cancelled too so um yeah it was quite eventful and obviously then I had to figure out like where I was going to train in the UK and like change programs and finish out my degree but obviously online and having a time difference as well so that was quite difficult but yeah I think it makes you a tougher person. (laughs) Yeah absolutely I mean there's so much and so much change you know that you just discussed on so many facets of your life And I know that this is very relatable to a lot of athletes because there were a lot of people who were in the same boat. And when you reflect back on that experience and sort of where you are now, what is the mindset that you carry, you know, after going through that experience that will help you sort of with like that next unpredictable moment that I'm sure will happen? It happens in our lives all the time. But what's that mindset you now carry after going through that experience? I think it's taught me that a very I mean I've already I've always been told I'm a very level person and and I think I can react to unexpected situations or changes quite calmly like I'm quite good at not suddenly reacting I'm good at kind of processing first and then planning and kind of deciding how to approach the situation I think all of that change and disruption kind of showed me that that is probably one of my strengths is you know you find out what the situation is and obviously initially you know you're emotional or whatever about it but then it's kind of like okay so what's the next step move on from this what what happens next like obviously you know when things like that happen it's just not helpful to dwell on it too much because you can't change it now so the only really thing you can do is just look forward and work out kind of put you in a better situation or deal with that situation that you've been put in so I feel like I actually thrived kind of through that situation and came out of it in a better place well I'd like to bottle up all your calm energy and like hand it out (laughs) to like to everybody (laughs) including myself I think that's that's a great tool to have in your your toolkit well before we move on to kind of your post-collegiate career I do want to reflect back just to like how busy and crazy it can be 
as a student athlete in the U.S., you know, balancing your schoolwork and also balancing, you know, the work that you have in the pool, in the gym with your team. So how did you find that balance and those demands and not get to another point where you were going to burn out? Because I often hear from, from girls in our community, just like that they're feeling burnt out. And sometimes it's more mental than physical, but it kind of is, I feel like a pretty common challenge that student athletes face in college. What advice would you give to the, to the girls that are still in it right now? And you want to prevent that burnout? I think for me, I just felt so different when I was older swimming because I think the most important thing is to have a good relationship with like your coach and I had a really good relationship with all my coaches kind of when I came back and I felt more confident in myself to kind of speak up and also I felt like I had more input in how I trained and I think when obviously when you're younger you just kind of do what you're told mainly because you don't know enough to know what you need or how you train or anything like that. But I think when you're older and at college, you can take a bit more ownership for your training. And I think obviously it works both ways. Coaches need to be responsive to things you say. Like, you know, Neil would get my input all the time on what sets I enjoyed and what I felt worked well for me, what made me feel fast and everything like that so I think that helped me a lot knowing that if something didn't feel right I could talk to him about it and he would sort of take it on and take on the feedback and not take it in a negative way and then kind of adjust things and so obviously you can only do that if you have a good relationship with your coach and I think that works with you know being respectful and being invested in the sport and being open to listening and taking things and obviously it works both ways so I think that is also a big component of making sure you if you are going out to the US or choosing a college thinking about who the coach is and can you get on with them can you talk to them do you trust them everything like that and that makes the journey a lot easier. To continue listening to this podcast, please go to voiceandsupport.com, join our community, and sign up for free. Anna goes on to talk about her Olympic experience and shares tips on how we can swim our own race, even when the pressure is really high. Head on over to minute number 38 on voiceandsupport.com to get started. This week's episode was produced and edited by Viz creator Sydney Supple, a softball player at Northwestern University. We are beyond grateful that Anna shared her unique story about how walking away from sport allowed her to have a greater career in the pool in the long run. We are so excited to see all the incredible things that she will do along the way in the pool and in life. You can follow Anna on Instagram or Twitter at Anna underscore Hopkin or find her on voiceandsport.com as a biz league mentor. Please subscribe to the Voice and Sport podcast. Give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and send this episode to a friend that you think might enjoy the conversation. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Voice and Sport. And if you are a young woman in sport and want to join our community, please sign up for free at voiceandsport.com to get started. When you join Voice and Sport, you gain access to our exclusive content and podcasts, mentorship sessions from professional athletes like Anna, and access to the top biz experts in sports psychology and nutrition. 
See you next week on the Voice and Support Podcast.